Good morning, everybody. I am Justin Talley, and I'm on staff here at Shoal Creek. And before we get to our actual uh, child dedication <clears throat> that many of you are here for today, and uh, before we get to the baptisms that we also have going on today that we're super excited about, I just wanted to talk a little bit about gratitude and thankfulness, especially as we approach uh, Thanksgiving this coming week. And I heard something uh, a couple years ago that's always stuck with me. I heard this, uh, uh, the quote that I heard was, praise is inner health made audible. And, and that always stuck with me because we can measure our health, we can measure how healthy we are in, in various ways. And so in one way, you could say that the pecan pie eggnog I bought last night as an impulse buy at Price Chopper, you could say that was very unhealthy of me because I don't even want to know how much sugar goes into eggnog. Or you could say I, chew, I chose to be uh, uh, relationally and socially healthy because I bought something that would bring celebration and joy into my family, and that was a very healthy decision. So it could go either way, right? And I think uh, that might be helpful to us all as we have our Thanksgiving dinners. We could say, oh, this is very unhealthy as I pile this all onto my plate this Thanksgiving. Or you could say, I'm participating in a culture of celebration, which is actually a very healthy choice to make right now with my family. But I do wonder, what if we were to measure our lives by how thankful we are? What if we measured not our cholesterol level, but our gratitude level? See, I, I read, it's really interesting when you get into the research on gratitude, when you get into the research on the actual physiological effects of thankfulness in your life. I came across this article um, by the Harvard Medical School called Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. And there's actually been quite a bit of research into the positive physiological effects of choosing to be thankful, choosing to live a life of gratitude. Uh, I, had, uh, I wanted to put up this research, this one study uh, done by a couple of psychologists, um, Dr. Emmons and I believe it was Dr., um, let me see who the other doctor was there, uh, Dr. McCullough, and they've done much research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all of their participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. In one group, they wrote about the things that were grateful for that occurred to them during the week. The second group only wrote about daily irritations or things that had displeased them. And the third group was the control group. They only recorded events with no emphasis on being positive or negative. They found after 10 weeks that those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to physicians than those who focused on sources of aggravation, which kind of makes sense. Thankfulness makes us healthier. We are better humans when we are thankful. This is how God designed us, and it's what modern science reveals. Thankfulness brings healing. And this isn't just true for our own time. This goes all the way back to Jesus's time. And Jesus shows us in this interaction in Luke 17, when he's interacting with 10 lepers, he shows us that thankfulness does so much more than healing what's just on the outside. And so in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, as Jesus continued on to Jerusalem, he reached a border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them came back, and when he saw, when one of them 
when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God, and he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, one of the things I think we have a problem with connecting to in this story is the fact that leprosy is something that you and I don't necessarily have a lot of experience with. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just met, I've never met somebody with leprosy, though I did meet someone this past week who had met someone with leprosy before. And he told me about this whole leper colony that was alive in, for 100 years or so, right up until 1960, in Kalua Papa, Hawaii. Has anybody ever heard of this? Raise your hand. Kalua Papa. You can, you've heard of Kalua Papa. Kalua Papa. It's actually a national park. You can go to the national park website and look up Kalua Papa. And I got some pictures of Kalua Papa, and I'm going to show them to you real quick. This is a real place in our history. In 1865, King Kamehameha signed an act because there was an epidemic of leprosy in the Hawaiian Islands. And so he had all the lep, they had this act signed, and they rounded up all these people in the Hawaiian colonies, and they put about a thousand people on that plateau. Because look at it. How accessible does that look to you? Does it look like you can get in and out very easily? No, there's a 2,000 foot cliff right there. And so for a hundred years, up until the 1960s, if you were found to have leprosy, which was very misunderstood, now we have modern medicine, it's something we don't deal with, you know, uh, it's, it's very easy to cure now, but they were exported to this place. You can forward to the next couple pictures here. This is what it actually looked like. And they dropped these people off and put up these little houses and expected them to survive and fend for themselves. And of course, since they'd been ripped away from their families, they had very little incentive to live and live a flourishing life. And so the healing that they needed was obviously what? Much more deeper than just the skin healing. They had so much relational, emotional trauma, everything going on inside of them. So much pain. See, these people on Hawaii, Kalua Papa, but, but also these people in Jesus' own time, they weren't just sick physically, they were sick relationally, emotionally, mentally, socially, and spiritually. And so we know that there are different ways to measure our healthiness. I think one way of measuring our real inner health is looking at how we respond to situations in our life. Because when things happen to us, good or bad, it's our responses that show us who we really are. Our responses are an expression of our health or unhealth. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do you handle things? How do you react when things go poorly? What is most likely to erupt from your inner being when something bad happens? Is it an anger, a response of anger? Is that what's most likely to pour out? Is it fear and worry and anxiety? Is that what's most likely to erupt out when things go poorly, when things don't happen the way we think they ought to happen? When things go poorly, is it apathy? Just emotional detachment from the circumstances? Or is it thankfulness? See, why didn't the other nine men come back? If we go back to the story, if we go back to the scripture, it's an interesting question. Why did they not come back? And, and, and maybe I don't know exactly why. I don't know that the text exactly shows us why the nine didn't come back, but it does show us why the one did come back. 
And so I'm just going to read this briefly again um, with the one that did come back. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And what I find super interesting in that, it's not even Jesus saying, I healed you. This man points, or Jesus points to this man's inner world. Jesus could have said, go, I've healed you. But he says, go, your faith has healed you. And so what this man brought back was a thankfulness. Or to say it differently, what created an outward thankfulness was an inner belief that Jesus really was from God. And when I think about that, if I had to guess why the other nine men didn't come back and express their thankfulness, it was because their internal worlds were filled more with entitlement than with faith. They cried out, they got what they wanted, and then they went their own way. But this one that came back, he didn't view God as a vending machine. He viewed God as his father. And so in the healing, he was finally affirmed that God had not forgotten him, God had not left him in exile, that God had had his eyes on him the entire time. And so what naturally came out of him, because he believed God was his father and not a vending machine, was an expression of thankfulness. See, I think what God wants for you is for you to flourish, for you to flourish in any circumstance. And for that to happen, we have to choose to believe, have faith, that God really is there for us, no matter what is going on, that he has not forgotten us, and that we can practice showing an inner faith by externally expressing thankfulness in any situation. If we want to flourish in life, we have to believe, we have to have faith that thankfulness is not an option. It's what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul's writing a letter. He's writing to the first Thessalonians, and he says this in Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. He doesn't say try to be thankful, try to be joyful. He says be joyful. He puts the responsibility on us to make an internal decision to choose to see the good things in life instead of being like the people in that study that just journaled about all the things that irritated them all day. Paul says this in a different part, and I don't have that scripture. I just wanted to read it right here. And it, Paul, the same guy talking, says this in Philippians 3, 1. He says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. And I love that verbiage. Being thankful safeguards our faith. It keeps us believing that God is good. He is there for us. That we really do have good things in this life. And it's up to us to choose to see the good. Because there's a thousand things we could look at in any given day that makes us feel as if the world is not being taken care of by an all-powerful, all-good creator. We have to choose to believe that there's always something to be thankful for, something that I have to remind myself of, because just like you, I have bad days. 
There are days I don't want to work, I don't want to do my job, where my stress level makes me feel like my head is going to explode, where I sit behind my computer wondering if any of this is all really making a difference, or if I'm just going to have to sit in a black cloud wondering, uh, you know, what the next week's going to bring. There are days where I just want life to be easier than what it is. But then I look up and I see all the family pictures uh, my wife has put up all around our house. And I see the pictures of my kids. I see pictures of my loved ones. I get those little uh, time hops that brings up pictures from the past and you get to reflect on past moments. And I have to ask myself, do I really want the rest of the day to be like this? I am not promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. And so in that internal choice, in that internal decision, we have to say, you know what, I can be thankful about something no matter what. I think thankfulness is actually an act of rebellion in the best possible way. Our culture thrives on making us discontent. Our culture thrives on unthankfulness, making us always want more. And so the best way to resist and rebel against a culture of dissatisfaction is to live a life of being thankful. So how can we experience thankfulness? How can we actually put it into practice? Well, the medical experts at Harvard, uh, they did this research and they gave us some suggestions. They said, relationally, we can find healing by writing thank you notes. And not just writing a thank you note, but actually writing a thank you note and reading it to the person face to face, thanking them. That even if you don't have the opportunity to thank them face to face, just mentally thanking someone actually affects how you feel about yourself and your mood. We can keep a gratitude journal, just like the first group in the study. We can actually make time to write out little sentences about what we have to be thankful for. And one of the, the, the craziest things or the coolest things at the very end of this uh, medical article was that they suggested, Harvard suggests praying or meditating, which I found, again, it's, it's this whole science and faith thing. They're not mutually exclusive. When we pray and we meditate on how God loves us no matter what and that he was willing to give up his own son so that he could get us back into his family, when that becomes something we meditate on and talk to him about every day, it affects the way we feel, and it affects the inner health so that we can express a praise with what's going on in our hearts. So what I'm going to do right now is just pray for us, and then I'm going to invite all these uh, wonderful families who are going to participate in the child dedication. So, Father, would you just help us to keep in mind that um, no matter where we're at in life, and it, and it can be hard. There's no way any of us can really know the depths of what some people are going through right now in this room. Some of us um, are experiencing incredible suffering in our lives. We're having to experience the loss of loved ones, the, the, the physical pains, mental pains, emotional pains. There's just so much going on that we don't really know. But you know, and that's what's important. You know, you see everyone in this room, and so we are just thankful for that. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.